This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects all of us in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. But first... Decentralization is the buzzword du jour in technology. That's supposed to be the big selling point for things like blockchain and cryptocurrency applications. The point is that a strong hegemonic force like a government or central bank won't control all of the decisions. Chaotic distribution is all the rage today. Long live the anarchy. But the term has recently been popping up in the cybersecurity world. The idea is that the bigger and more centralized the defense is, the more likely that defense is going to be the primary target of attackers. So we sat down with Ethan Schmertzler, the CEO of a company called Dispel in Austin, Texas, to talk about what their technology is doing to decentralize the security structure of organizations. And they've been around for a while and they're doing a lot of good work with our infrastructure. So let's go to the interview with Ethan. I'm in the process of wrapping up a fairly substantial article about security operation centers. Okay. And virtual security operation centers and all their permutations. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I want to finish the article with is kind of a new concept that's popped up about the issue of decentralized security. Mm-hmm. And that's almost sounds like what Dispel is doing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I really like security operation centers because I think that you need human beings. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, computers. It, it, so, I mean, well, they they've been around for what nineteen sixties is when the first one came about, which was known as a network operation center, mm-hmm. uh, and it just has grown from there. Uh, what I found interesting is companies like Rockwell and Honeywell, which have had their own security operation centers for decades, mm-hmm. are now finding a business model in which they can sell that as a service mm-hmm. to their partners and their customers. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, I, I've asked them, so, well, are you are you open to anything? He says, no, we're only working within our, our ecosystem which mm-hmm. happens to be absolutely huge. Uh, so it's a good business for them. But then we've got some companies uh, like Trend Micro uh, has put made a big push. They started, I think, last year with what they're calling vehicle security operation centers for mm-hmm. connected vehicles. But they don't seem to be any different than what would be described as a virtual security operations center because it's not centralized. It doesn't have a lot of people involved. It's mainly tools and maybe a few centers that will connect to a larger security operations center mm-hmm. uh, because all of the automotive manufacturers, I'm sure, have SOCs. Uh, so what they're trying to do is go down the food chain and uh, provide security operations centers as a service, but virtually. Yeah. So, um, but the argument is, is that when you go to a security operations center model, you you make yourself a big target. When it was described to me about what you do, mm-hmm. and I took a little, a little bit d- a deeper look into it, it sounded like you're actually decentralizing the process. So I'd like to talk about that. Terrific. So 
let me give a little bit of background on what it is that we're doing, um, especially in the context of OT environments and, and as it relates to socks. If that's helpful, we can start there and then go and off for, that if that works for you. For the listeners, uh, OT is Operational Technology, SOC is the Security Operations Centers. Yes. So if you look at, so in the last couple of years, if you look at uh, successful cyber attacks against critical infrastructure, industrial control systems, um, what a lot of people were spending a lot of time talking about was how do we deal with the fact that industrial control systems are 30 years old. A lot of them uh, are on flat networks and uh, it, it's not as simple as just restarting the email server, right? If you take an assembly line off, off, that's an assembly line, right? So, and you looked at, at what people were trying to do in order to attack them um, and, and the relation that that had to the cyber, cyber kill chain. And what NIST was finding was that most of the resources are being spent at the reconnaissance stage. How do I find my way in? And then everything else downstream from that is about dealing with dwell time and remediation and trying to roll it back. Um, that reconnaissance stage though is interesting because if you could stop someone there, or if you can make the cost of finding an industrial control system really high, then they're likely to go, if, because most attackers are opportunists, they're likely to go after a different, cheaper target. And right. if they're a state level actor, you just raise the cost of having them try to break in. So the decentralized nature of what we're doing is a concept known as moving target defense, which is the term that, that the DOD has applied to it, which is what we've been doing in the physical world, uh, in the military for the last 100 years. So it's the idea that instead of having a static target that you then defend as much as you can with uh, security layers around it, you should have it so it's a dynamic environment that is instantiated when you need it. And then you actually destroy the infrastructure um, virtually when you're done and you try to hide it amongst different public cloud providers. So when we think about trying to not create a target uh, to your earlier point, it's how do we make sure that someone can't tell or can't associate a given kind of pattern or traffic activity with something interesting like an industrial control system, like a SOC. Instead, it looks like me sitting at home watching Netflix on my computer. Okay. And how's that working out for you? Very well. So first it's been put into the new NIST standards. Um, so it's been proclamated in them and actually in the new uh, NIST 800-172, which is for DOD federal contractors um, at high levels of assurance for them. Moving target defense is now codified as one of the remediation steps, one of the security steps that DOD contractors um, should be taking in order to be able to defend themselves against state-level actors who are trying to target their systems. Um, and we're seeing it not just from human-to-machine interactions, but also for data streaming. So for getting information out of critical infrastructure to security operation centers and to downstream partners, it's become a standardized way of getting data out of especially distributed sensor nodes. Um, so how do we pull that information across the wire um, across the public internet and get it back to people that can take a look at it. So for example, um, most of the irrigation water in California or up in the Columbia river basin is protected on uh, systems that are being uh, managed by dispel. So our networks are our moving target defense networks are allowing data to come back from those uh, dam sites to uh, operation centers. So they can see uh, levels, uh, they can make changes to them. They can monitor them. Someone doesn't have to drive out there anymore. But then the network, from a network perspective, it doesn't look like there is a uh, there's a dam site there, right? It looks like someone who's on their cell phone out in in uh, 
Washington State or Oregon. Okay. So what's the um, what's the bulk of your your business? Are you working with military infrastructure? Or are you working with manufacturing processes? Yeah, bulk of it is uh, utilities and discrete manufacturing. So, in terms of utilities, we're talking about water and wastewater. We're talking so, for example, Las Vegas Valley Water District is one of our, our primary clients. Um, a lot of the water sector, for example, in New Zealand, runs on our systems. Um, oil and gas. Uh, some energy, so that utility delivery service, and then manufacturing. So discrete manufacturing, whether that's food and beverage, uh, fast-moving consumer goods, um, auto parts, cars. Uh, so you're you're right, you're right you're right in the vehicle uh, security operations center area that Trend Micro is talking about. Yeah. So our job is to when people are going through the digital transformation stage and they're saying, "All right, how do I?" I need to, we need control over our environments. We need to just mm -hmm. stop allowing people to get into the system. And we need to say, we're going to meet the standards. We're not going to allow people to get in here. Um, they need, typically they've historically gone out and hired a team of five or six FTEs and they bought a bunch of different products and they tried to forklift IT products and drop them into OT world and try to make them work. Um, that's really expensive. So for exactly the reason why, um, things like CrowdStrike in the IT world became really successful is because they could have economies of scale where they could have a sock that they could essentially have be a sock in the box. So they would sell that service to a bunch of different clients. Um, so what we're doing is we're doing the same, a similar thing where it's a managed service where by brokering the access okay. to the target environments, we can say, these are the standards you need to align against. And by forcing a, a user or an operator through that stack, we can make sure that we're aligning you with those standards. Okay, so you consider yourself a competitor to CrowdStrike? Uh, no, 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 sorry. I was using simply them as an example okay. for their sock in a box because they did that in the IT world. That's clearly what um, I, we're seeing PLC manufacturers doing. So like Siemens, Rockwell Automation, folks like that are obviously trying to add in cybersecurity services for their OT clients. By any chance, is Continental Oil now a customer? Uh, they are not. Okay. So they still haven't learned their lesson, huh? <laughs> the oil sector is, in, well, pipelines are, are especially interesting with the TSA security guidelines. And, and I find it fascinating that um, that with each iteration of that, the uh, the standards are sort of changed or what, what TSA is looking for has, has rolled back, I think. So that was Ethan Smirchler of Dispel. And uh, to me, it, that's kind of all good news going forward. Uh, we are uh, still moving forward and developing effective uh, defenses against cyber attacks. And uh, it seems to be moving out into the infrastructure, which is really where the main problem is. Uh, if you have any uh, questions or concerns, you can uh, write to me at cyberprotectionmagazine.com. Uh, and you can also sign up for the newsletter. Or you can leave a one-minute audio question or comment at... Uh, anchor.fm slash crucialtech and uh, there's that possibility you can just push a button and make your comment there if uh, you have any interest in supporting our efforts at cyber protection magazine uh, we'd love to help have your help uh, contact us there as well so this has been lou covey with crucial tech a footwasher media production <laughs>